My wife and I are moving to, for those of you who might not know, my wife and I are moving to Omaha, Nebraska to take on the lead pastor position at a small church called Finding Life. And our last Sunday here will be August 6th, and then uh, my last day in the office will be the 9th. And then uh, we'll be packing up our stuff on the 10th, and um, kind of a two-week window where we're not sure where we're going to be yet, but then we'll close in our other house on the 25th and move in there, and then we'll start at a church on September 10th. So that's kind of our schedule here. But I just want to say I want to kind of take these next few moments to just kind of condense 14 and a half years of ministry, if I can, and just say thank you. Thank you to this church family for um, really just a huge blessing you have been to, to my life personally, to my wife, and to our daughters and their husbands. Um, I know that I have been blessed. I know that I've been stretched. I know that God has used you to grow me as a husband, as a father, as a pastor, and as a man. And I want to say thank you for that. Um, I want to say thank you to all the volunteers that I've had the privilege to work with over these years in student ministries and children's ministries and life groups and outreach and and, and then our college and young adult ministry. It's just been a huge, huge blessing. I want to thank our elders um, for their love and support. I want to thank um, Pastor Mike, who I was privileged to serve with for 11 years and learned a lot from him. And I want to thank our two interim pastors, Dave and John, for what they, um, just the short time that they were here, what they instilled in my life. And then, of course, these past two years with Adrian and just... Um, the incredible amount of stuff that I have learned in this, these short two years. And I just want you to know that you guys are blessed to have him here. And it's been a joy to work with him. And I'm, that is one thing that I'm going to, to really, really miss is that time um, serving with Adrian. You guys have a great staff here. And that's the other thing I'm going to miss, going from a multi-staff to now a staff of two. Um, but it's, it's, it's going to be good. And I just want to say thank you for, for all of that. I also want to say thank you to, to you all as a church family because you really have, in, in my opinion, have grown, we have grown to be uh, a part of this family. And you have walked with us, you've journeyed with us through the good times and, and especially through the very, very difficult times, probably the most difficult time um, in my life I wasn't going to do this, but and in our family's life, you were there, and you prayed, and you walked with us, and you cried with us, and it was absolutely amazing, and you carried when we didn't know if we were going to carry anymore, so thank you for that. I was um, home just a little while ago, and I walked in the door, and my mom says, Kevin. Your hair has gotten so white. <laughs> Thanks, Mom. <laughs> Not a hello. <laughs> and then we were um, doing the, the getting ready for the video to make sure the venue was good. And I noticed, I looked up, and I am getting really thin up here. <laughs> it's like, you guys have been really hard on me. <laughs> no, that's not true. It's just been an incredible joy and a blessing. And I love, love this church, and we're going to miss it immensely.
But we also are super excited about this next adventure, and it really is an adventure, and it's a journey. And um, just, keep, just keep praying for my wife and I. Um, it's just um, it's going to be good. And we're just, I'm looking forward to hearing not only how God's going to work in Omaha, but how God is going to continue to work here impacting the city of Kearney, Nebraska, and I know the world. And so thank you. Thank you for that. Um, my wife and I love you a ton. And so here's my little segue into this morning is that the writer here, we're going to be in Hebrews, and it's been very evident over these chapters, chapter 1 through, to, through now, where we're going to look at chapter 10, that the writer loves his audience a lot as well, his Jewish Christian audience. And, and so we're going to dive into that. We're going to dive into chapter 10, verses 19 through 29. And really this book of Hebrews, if you want to open up your Bibles, you can do that to the book of Hebrews, chapter 10. And th- this really, this book could be called the book of better things because those two Greek words, better and superior, appear 15 times in this book. And so the writer is trying to convince his audience that there is a, there's this, that there's this new covenant found in Jesus' death and resurrection, and that it's far superior to um, this old covenant, and that Jesus and everything that he did fulfills all the Old Testament prophecies and the requirements of the law. And, right, and this old way of doing things, as Adrian talked about last week, this old way of doing things is obsolete, and now there's this new and living way. There's this better way. And so he wants to... Um, them to understand that, this, that the perfection of the offering that Christ has made is once and finally to dispose of this old way of having to continually perform these ritualistic sacrifices for sins. And he's saying that there's this new era that has dawned on the planet. From this point forward, now there's this new way of doing things. A new covenant is in force I love the way Eugene Peterson puts this. He says, it was a perfect sacrifice by a perfect person to perfect some very imperfect people. I mean, that's just beautiful. That's exactly what Jesus did. And that's what the writer here is trying to convince people who have lived their entire life right a certain way that their mom and dad and their grandpa and grandmas and and even those before them, this is what they taught them. This is how you live life. This is how you worship God. And now he's saying, no, that was good, but this is now better. And it's done once and for all. And so that's what we're going to look at. So we're going to look at this new normal this morning, this new normal that that the writer of Hebrews lays out for us. And we're going to look at it, how it looks for us in real life. And this is what he's doing, or this is what he or she is doing as we get into this book. And the focus is going to be this, the focus this morning is going to be this community that arises out of the gospel, the beautiful gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, and how this new community arises out of them. So we're going to take a look at the foundation. We're going to take a look at the foundation, and we're going to take a look at the things that are going to be built on top of that, And then we're going to take a look at what we need to do as brothers and sisters. And then there's going to be a warning, and then there's going to be a call. And so that's where we're headed this morning. I want you to understand, though, that really um, sometimes it's helpful for us to give really a big idea. And and if if you walk away this morning, um, this is what I want you to know, is that when when we... um, 
when we believe, when we fully believe in the deepest parts of who we are, that Christ is all or that Christ is the better, then the me turns into we and the people that are watching are going to get this beautiful picture of Jesus Christ. Let me illustrate that. I want you to get out a piece of paper. All right, get out a piece of paper now. Use the, use the outline or whatever it is and get a pen. And I want you to, um, I want you to uh, write this word. All right? I want you to write me. You got that? If you need help with spelling, turn to your neighbor and say, I need help. So me, okay? Now I want you to flip it over, and it's going to look like this, right? And I want you to put an E there. So this is what I'm talking about. When Christ is all right? The me turns into we. Now, just so you know, the we, that is still you. Uh, get it, right? E-W-E-U. All right, anyway, lame, sorry. <laughs> right? So when Christ is all in our life, when Christ is the better, the me, the focus of me, myself, and I begins to now turn and focus is to we, to my brothers and sisters, and to my God. And so I begin to draw close to him, and because of that, I begin to live my life with others as the focus. And so we're going to take a look at that um, this morning. Here's the first point. We're going to look at verses 19 through 21. This is really the point, the bottom foundation is this whole idea that when we believe that Christ is all, right? So here is this word, um, therefore, and when we, when we see that word, we need to ask, right, you know this, why is it therefore? And so everything that was before chapters 1 through 10, 18, that's what he's saying. Everything before chapters 1 through 10 through 18, this heavy piece of doctrine that I've been trying to weave and, and illustrate and convince you everything, this is what I'm basing that off of. And so therefore, based on all of that, brothers and sisters, right, you and I, children, family, since we have confidence, and so this to me, this little phrase here, since we have confidence, is really stated as a fact, right? Okay, that maybe could be an awkward word. <laughs> fact. <laughs> since we have confidence this is a fact to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body and since we have a great priest over the house of God so we see that the by here is the why the blood of Jesus Christ the death, burial and resurrection the fact that he's now seated at the right hand of God that is the why. That's why we can have confidence to enter in the most holy places that used to be reserved for just the priesthood, that they would go in and no one else could enter, and they're the only ones that would be able to communicate with God, and that's where God resided. Well, that, when Christ came, and now this new and living way, the curtain was ripped open, right? And now we have this access because the perfect has come. He has satisfied this once and for all, and now we get to be in the presence of God 24-7. And so when we begin to understand that, when we begin to live the reality of that, when we begin to base that on foundation, some very, very, very cool things happen, right? 
So this is our foundation, is all. So when Christ is, or when we believe that Christ is all, then this is what is going to happen next. When we believe that Christ is all, then we will strive to be before we do. So let's look at verse 22. Let us, again speaking about the brothers and sisters in Christ, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. So what is he saying here? Because of this basis that Christ is all in my life, that Christ is the better, that I now have access, what is he asking us to do as followers of him, as sons and daughters? He's asking us to draw near to God. Let us draw near to God. Let us, right, let us, our primary goal, this should be our number one goal in life, is to draw near to God, right? We are to continually walk in his presence. We're continually trying to get to know him better, before anything else we do in life, that is our number one goal, is to draw near to God. And I want you to understand that you don't, you don't draw near to God mainly by coming to church only, right? That, that you are no nearer to him this morning than you are to him when you go to work or when you go play some kind of game or do something, whatever it is. You're no nearer to him now than you are then, some of us think that when I come to church, right, that I draw near to God, and if we don't understand that, that if I'm not doing this during the week, then it's going to be really hard for me to draw near to God on a Sunday morning, right? It's going to be really, really hard. And so we want to begin to do that, understand that it's not just Sunday, but it's Sunday and Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday and Sunday and Monday, and Tuesday, and Wednesday. It's all of these days that he's asking us to draw near to him every single day. So that when we do come together on a Sunday, it's this beautiful expression of thankfulness and how I can build into someone else's life, right? And encourage. And so, when we believe that Christ is all, well, here, and then here is some um, results of that, right? That we're going to have full assurance that faith brings. That's one. That, and we're going to have a heart sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience. We're going to be free from guilt. So that's two. There's one. That's two. And then three. Right? Our outward bodies are going to be cleansed. Right? Because of what Christ did on the cross. All right. So we have all. Right? We have all. When we believe that Christ is all, then we're going to begin to strive to be. So that's, we're building, right? So when Christ is all, we're going to strive to be before we do. All right, so when, when we believe that Christ is all, we're going to strive to be before we do, and then we're going to gain confidence in the everyday stuff of life. Look at verse 23. Let us, us again as brothers and sisters, hold unswervingly to the hope, to the hope that we profess for he, Jesus Christ, is, who promised is faithful. I mean, just an incredible verse, a short verse, but one that's just ripe with a ton of meaning. That if we understand that Christ is all, and he's the better, and we are beginning to strive to be before we do, then this is what's going to happen. This is what's going to be part of our life, that we are going to gain confidence. 
that we are going to hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess. Because why? Because Jesus Christ, who promised this, is faithful. Because God is faithful. And we're going to gain confidence. We're going to understand that that, um, we need to have consistency in our life. That even though we have good times and with bad times, that there needs to be consistency of our unswervingly hope. I'm not sure if that's a word, but our hope in God, in Jesus Christ and what he did for us, right? And not only that, but we get to have, or, or we're going to have, confidence. And this confidence is rivaled by nothing else on this earth, right? Because there's nothing on this earth that can, that can provide that um, precisely because it's not dependent on myself or anybody else, but it's dependent on Jesus, the perfect one, the perfect God-man, and who he is and what he's done for us. And so understand again that he's saying here that it's not just for us to do this on Sunday, but every day. Okay? All right, so when we believe, right, when we believe that Christ is all, there's going to be a striving to be before we do, which is going to help us, right, become confident. I hope you can read that, right? There's going to be confidence there. And then when we go into, when we understand that Christ is all, and there's a being that leads to doing, and there's a confidence, this is what it's going to lead us to do. It's going to lead us to be deliberate I hope I can spell deliberate. Deliberate. I think that's right. Um, if it's not, don't worry about it. We're going to move on. So, which leads us then to be deliberate, right, with our brothers and sisters. Let's look at verses 24 and 25. Let us, again, brothers and sisters in Christ, consider, important word, how we may spur, another important word, one another on toward love and good deeds. That's important, that's important. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, extremely important. All the more as you see the day approaching. So what is he saying to us? Because Christ is all, right? Because we're going to strive to be in him, because we're gonna have confidence in the hope that's unswerving because he has promised, it's gonna lead us right into this turning, right, the me into we, and we're gonna be in community, and this is what we're gonna do. We're gonna be deliberate. So let us consider, this, con- this, consider, this word consider is being deliberate. Think ahead of time, right? Move from me focusing to we focusing and consider ahead of time how you may spur, provoke, maybe another word we want to use there. Provoke one another, right? Our brothers and sisters in Christ on towards love and good deed. Those things that the world, the watching world looks at us and these true markers of what, are you really going to be who you say you are? And so are you really going to love me in all my mess? And are you really going to show good deeds to me? So in other words, do your deeds, do your love, does it match your words? I mean, people are not going to come to know Christ necessarily just by our words. They need to see that we really love them. And we need to, they need to see that our actions are going to match our words. That's what they're watching and waiting for. John 13, 34 says, right in 35, this says, Jesus says that the world is going to know that you are my disciples by how you love one another. And the writer of Hebrews is going to back that up. 
This is what I think that we sometimes forget, is that we sometimes forget or we don't think enough about, is that when we place our faith in Jesus Christ, right, this new vertical relationship happens between him and between myself and God, between myself and Jesus, right? We understand that, that Jesus is not my Savior and he's not my Lord. But here's the other thing that happens, which is pretty cool, is that I now begin a new relationship with each one of you all that know Christ as your Savior and Lord. I begin a new relationship. I'm now your brother, whether you like that or not, or I'm now your sister, whether you like that or not. But we're, right, we're brothers and sisters together. We're part of this forever family that we say a lot around here. That's what happens, and we don't necessarily think about it. We think about the vertical, but we don't think about the horizontal and the implications of that. But the New Testament, Jesus says, I want you to think about that, right? When you understand that Christ is all, the me is going to turn to we, and you're going to express what Jesus has done on this earth so beautifully when he lived here. But we tend to move towards, right, this life of um, isolation, of, um, yeah, we're just struggling with that. We're just struggling. And so we need to consider, right, I've kind of moved ahead just a little bit, but I want to go back a little bit. We need to consider, right, we need to spur, we need to provoke on people to love and good deeds. All right. So I want to illustrate this a little bit. So I'm going to ask Jim Kobo if he'd come up. Jim did not um, know I was going to do this. So just hop up, Jim, or you can go on the steps, <laughs> however you want to do that. All right, so this is a, really a simple illustration. Jim, I just need you to stand right there. Wow, amazing. And you're just going to put your hands right there. And, and whatever I do, right, you're not going to block or you're just going to stand there because you trust me, right? Trust you. Okay, all right. So this is what we're going to do. I, I've, I'm wanting to really have, um, I'm wanting to really get impact on Jim here. And so I'm, I'm going to do something here. I'm going to uh, throw these rubber bands at him. Wow, they just bounced right off. Man of steel. All right. All right. Big church, little church. <laughs> All right. Are you ready? You're getting ready. You work out. I like that. Oh, I'm not going to throw. Hey, give it up for Jim. Thanks, Jim. So here's, here's why I did that. Here's why I did that, because if I wanted a great, the greatest impact I could on, on Jim, I'm not going to throw a bunch of individual rubber bands at Jim, aren't I? Am I? No, I'm going to put them together, right, because I know that when these rubber bands are together, when they're, they're better together, if my goal is to get the maximum impact on someone, which I would never do because I'm a nice guy. But Jesus, right, knew that if we were going to have the greatest impact on the waiting world, that he doesn't want us to be alone and to be isolated and alone. He wants us. He knew that we needed to be together, that we are really better together as Christians. And that's when we can be most effective. And so community is something that is not just an idea, a nice idea. It is an absolute necessity as followers of Christ. Because it allows us, right, it allows us to experience life and its transforming grace. 
It, it protects us from the hardening and deceitful, deceitfulness of sin, and it spurs us on to love and to good deeds. I, I wanted to um, talk to you about a pastor on the West Coast who said that as followers of Christ, this is what we all need. We need a place where um, you are genuinely known. In other words, that where fine is not good enough. Right? You need to be genuinely known. You need to be a, in a place where that you're going to be lovingly supported. I talked about this when we were talking about the thank yous in the first part of my message, that um, you need to be in a place where you're lovingly supported. Because why? Because there's sometimes in life when things are so hard that it's just... It's just crushing to us, and it's just too hard for us to bear. And so we need to be in a place that's going to lovingly support when we need that kind of support. In the times that we can probably do things, you know, um, we can handle the load, but then there's a ton of times when that load is too heavy, and we need people around us to help us with that. And then thirdly is that we are honestly challenged. It's hard for us to know our blind spots, but we need to be in a group of people that genuinely know who we are and all of our stuff and are going to be able to speak the truth of the gospel to us in a very loving way and say, hey, I saw you with your wife or your husband and, or with your kids and I've just been noticing that you've been a little short with them or whatever it might be, um, you're irritated or whatever, what's going on? And you know because they love you and you've been with them for a while that you're able to go, hey, all right, so I know that something, something's going on and we can pray with them and they're not judging you but they're just encouraging you lovingly and speaking truth into your life. And that's what we need. Here's the thing with this is that if we don't bring ourselves into community, if we are going to um, leave ourselves isolated, then... Uh, what I think happens, and, and this is what the guy on the West Coast said, is that anonymity breeds sin. And isn't that interesting? I mean, I want you to be honest this morning, all right? I want you to be honest. When you're driving, and you're driving on the interstate or in town somewhere, and, and a policeman comes behind you, how, how many of us drive better? No hands. Oh, one hand. All right. <laughs> Am I the only one? Right? We, we tend to do that, right? We tend to drive better when there is an authority figure behind us. Or maybe when you were younger and mom and dad came into the room, you just were generally better, right? And so anonymity breeds sin. This is breeding ground for sin to happen in our life. But when I am surrounded by people that know and love me, it's harder for me to engage in the practices of sin in my life. I mean, that's just interesting to me. So let's just recap again. We've got when Christ is all in our life and he is the better, which leads us to be, right? Which leads us to be, to strive to abide before we do, which leads to confidence that we have in this unswerving hope, which then leads us to being, right? You like my artwork? Flowing hair. Right? It encourages us to be deliberate, right? To be, to spur each other on, to encourage each other. And when, when that begins to happen, it is such a beautiful, beautiful picture of the gospel of Jesus Christ that the world desperately needs to see. And there is some great things 
that happen. All right. So two more things before we wrap up this morning. And, and that is that whole idea of we are better together. We're, we want to be in community. And it's because of all those reasons that that is true. But here the writer of Hebrews goes into this very um, stern warning. And, and you'll see it in verses 26 through 31. It says, if we deliberately keep on sinning, after we have received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left, but only a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. Anyone who rejected the law of Moses died without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much more severely do you think someone deserves to be punished who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, who has treated as an unholy thing the blood of the covenant, then sanctified them, and who has insulted the Spirit of grace? For we know him who said, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, and again the Lord will judge his people. It is a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. So Pastor Adrian talked about this in a previous message where um, the writer of Hebrews said kind of basically the same thing earlier. And so we're not going to get into that. But what I do want to do is I want to point out, because sometimes we, we, we really focus on those verses 19 through 25, and we kind of skip through these verses, but I want to, there's a correlation, right? It's not, you just didn't randomly put this there, but there's this correlation that we need to understand. And I said it earlier, and I'm just going to say it again, that if we move towards isolation, if we move towards not being in the community, and this could be individual and this could be a couple, it doesn't matter. But when we do that, then this is a warning that we need to understand that it, it that there is this um, connection between being in community and, um, and not, and this idea that anonymity breeds sin. And there's this warning that he gives. Because if we're continually doing that, we're not putting ourselves purposefully in the lives of other people and letting them speak into us. Then it's going to breed this kind of thing in our life, and we trample right on his grace. And we trample on his love for us and what he did for us on the cross. And so there's this stern warning. I mean, it's a great thing, right, to be in the hands of the living God, but also he says it's a very fearful thing to be in the hand, to fall into the hands of the living God. Lastly, he gives this call for you and I, for his Jewish, the, the Jewish audience that, that he or she was speaking to. And he says this in verses 32 through 39. Remember those earlier days after you had received the light when you endured in a great conflict full of suffering. Sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution and at other times you stood side by side with those who were so treated. You suffered along with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that you yourselves had better and lasting possessions. Beautiful phrase there. So do not throw away your confidence. Confidence, It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. For in just a little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. And, but my righteous one shall, will live by faith, and I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. But we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are, and are saved. So the writer here is looking at his Jewish audience, and he's saying, I want you to be encouraged by your past faithfulness. I want you to be encouraged by those things that you 
that you did as a new believer or when persecution came your way. And it says, I want you to be encouraged by that because we quickly tend to forget, right, those things in our life that have happened, that were encouraging. And we quickly forget those things. And he says, I want you to remember those things. So remembering is a good thing. And then one more thing he says to them, he says, I want you to what? Do one more thing. And I want you to very simply is just to keep, right, keep on. That's what I want you to do. I want you to keep on pressing on as a follower of Christ, right? That's really all he's saying here is that all of this previous, I want you to persevere. I want you to remember, and I want you to do the, the Christ is all, be confidence, be deliberate, and all of that, remember the warning, but I want you to press on. I want you to keep on. I want you to survive, and I want you to keep trusting because why? Because Romans 1.17 says the righteous shall live by faith. The righteous are not going to live by circumstances. The righteous are not going to live by what? Outward appearances or the approval of others. They're going to live by faith. Why? Because Jesus Christ is alive, right? His death, his burial, his resurrection. He's seated, seated at the right hand of God and he's mediating for us. And all of that and all of these promises that find their yes in him, he's saying you live by faith in him. Whoops. So here's my simple application for this morning. We're going to write these words again. All be Confidence deliberate. There's a warning and there's a call. Right? The me turns into we when we understand that this is our foundation. So this morning. I want you to, t to, to look at that and what is one thing in each one of these areas that you feel like that right now the Holy Spirit is impressing on your heart that you need to take a next step in. What is that one thing that you need to take a next step in and I want you to write it down, circle it, whatever it might be in these areas and go, all right, this is that one thing that I need to do this week to take a next step in that area. And I want you to think about it. I want you to pray about it. And then if you would, I want you to tell someone and go, this is what I'm going to do. And then one last thing. <laughs> one last thing is I want you to, um, I want you to think about um, what you can do um, to encourage each other. I mean, I want you to think about it quickly so like after this service, what's that one thing that you can do to go and, and whoever it might be, I don't know if God's impressing it on your brain right now, but whoever that might be, I want you to go and just encourage them. And I know it might be awkward because I'm just telling you to do it now, but that's okay. Who cares? Just go encourage them. And then throughout the week, wake up and go, all right, God, who might I encourage today? Wh whoever I encounter who might I encourage today? And then come back on Sunday and think, God, who might I encourage today? 
And let's just see where that takes us, right? Let's just see where that takes us as a family of missionary servants that love each other, right? What that looks like. And so that's my encouragement for you today. And um, we love you guys. Let's pray. And we'll continue on. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this morning, God. I thank you for this body of believers, God. I thank you for, um, man, the many, many people that have um, believed in my wife and I and our family and have stuck with us um, through the good and through the bad. And God, I just thank you for them. Thank you for this church family. Thank you for Adrian. Thank you for the elders, for the staff, God. And I just pray that you will continue to bless them as they um, continue to serve you with their whole hearts. And God, help us this morning as we dove into your passage in Hebrews chapter 10, those verses in 19 through on the end of the chapter. God, help us to, there's a lot in there. Help us to think through what is that one area, what is that one next step that I need to take, Father? And then not only to think about it, to be obedient to that, which will draw us closer to you. And then, God, I just pray for that we'll be a group of people that will be marked by encouragement. That truly, God, this me will be turned into we. And when we come in on a Sunday morning or during the week, we're just thinking about how I can encourage someone and less about how you can meet my needs. And then, God, I'm just praying for anyone here this morning that has entered into this building and is feeling alone, God, and has been wanting community. God, I pray that if that's the case, that they will come up and talk to me or talk to um, our life group kiosk in the hallway or talk to someone, God, to say, I just need help finding a place to belong. So, God, I pray for them this morning the deepest parts of who I are, who I am. God, we love you. We love this church. God, we just pray these things in Jesus' name.